Welcome to Oblong Desk. It's episode 10. We've reached double figures, Noakes. Hello there. Hi, John. Yes, I never thought that would happen, did you? Probably like the Now compilers when they did the first one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's starting to build into a bit of a thing now, and um, I feel like we've settled in, and I feel like we know what we're doing a bit now, which wasn't the case way back on uh, Oblong Desk number one, where it was all a bit to kind of feel your way. But, yeah, I like to think that we, and indeed maybe the listener, now has a sort of idea about how these things work out and what our tastes are and what we like and what we don't like. Hopefully so, yeah. So we're back on to another main Now album now, aren't we? We're uh, going to look at Now 28 today. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, right up front, listener, and indeed notes, I got a little bit angry listening to this. <laughs> this time round, I don't know what it was about the bad stuff, but it, it made me really, really rather angry listening to it. And that may be reflected in some of my reviews. I, I hope I don't come across as, you know, generally cross person but i did get a little bit teensy annoyed okay uh, anyway. well it's a fair, fair <laughs> warning i i didn't get annoyed I, I i think it's not one of the finest in the series i it doesn't tend to come up when people say what's the worst ever now album this one uh so maybe people just have a a better opinion of it i mean from my point of view i was quite in a happy place in summer 94 which this one covers and kind of late spring um i i had a a very lovely uh, albeit brief relationship going on I was back on URN again, back in Nottingham, uh, in quite a happy place. And I I remember the music being really good. But, um, yeah, maybe the rose-tinted glasses were on a bit because uh, it didn't do it quite so much for me as I expected. And you would have been in your final year, wouldn't you, then? Yeah, I would have been graduating. And, uh, yeah, my time at URN was all coming to an end at this point as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of kind of happy memories of the time which don't seem to have been reflected in the song choices that Ashley Abram has made. But um, if we were going out and buying this at the time, what kind of thing would we have been looking for? What's the cover like? Well, the cover is a lovely bright orange, so uh, the summery ones tend to be fairly light, bright colours. So this one is uh, orange with the Now logo surrounded by bubbles, uh, little bubbles everywhere. So it's presumably supposed to represent a pool. I guess. I see. And, uh, <laughs> it's a bit strange. Any, anything else for us on this? Have we got some good facts? Yeah, well, uh, the, the most important fact, if you're a real Now Anorak, is this is the last one that came in a fat box. Uh, if you don't know what I mean by that, this is the uh, type of box where the discs come in two separate trays that fold out from the middle. As oh, I remember that. Yeah, and... and Generally, compilations stopped using them around about this time. So now followed suit. Now 28 was the last one that had a fat box. There's something nice and tactile about the the bigger boxes, I think. So um, I'm I'm quite, I'm going to miss them. I originally got a copy of this that was uh, in a different box. Someone had obviously wrecked theirs. I think I got it secondhand, and someone had put it in one of the thinner boxes. And I actually went out of the way to get another copy that was in a fat box just so I had it. That's how anoraki I am, listener. Well, fair enough. Yeah, you've got um, nothing to say about that. <laughs> I didn't think that shocked you, hasn't it? It probably hasn't shocked you, actually. It has. I mean, I mean, you know, you, you think about these kind of things, and like you say, sometimes it is really important. And obviously people who collect vinyl love yeah. the kind of tactile feel of these things. But I wonder if these days anyone cares anymore about that kind of stuff. No, when, they don't. You, know, you don't. you don't, you know, even artwork is out the window now to, yes, to a large extent. Although, although, strangely enough, people do actually you know put stuff on so that you can see things on spotify 
and they have a little bit of artwork on that kind of stuff, don't they? So, yeah, it's still there, less less so than it used to be, perhaps, but yes, it is still there. Um, so more facts about this, uh, released on the 1st of August 1994, which means it covers the third of the year that runs broadly from April through to July. 40 top chart hits, as it says on the back, split evenly 2020 for once. Three number ones on here. Uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but given that one of them topped the chart for 15 weeks, then, uh, you know, you can't really complain. Of the number ones from the period that weren't here, uh, take that, uh, as we've discussed before, they either appear later than they should on now albums or their songs just don't appear at all there seems to have been some rights issues going on there prince was never going to be on here because he's a warner's artist well actually he wasn't by then but that's another story let's not go into that and uh, and the manchester united song which we have discussed previously on our football song special was also not included and i think we can thank ashley very much for that Hooray! um we say hello to oh r kelly and um it's goodbye to the pretenders which isn't as sad as it sounds because this is actually only the second time they'd been on a Now album. So they, they hadn't been exactly been regulars, but, uh, but we'll say goodbye to them anyway. Well, 40 tracks. Let's kick off then. And um, yeah, you mentioned something had been at number one for a while. And disc one, track one, is uh, Wet, Wet, Wet's Love is All Around, 15 weeks, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't actually mind it. I know you, you're really not keen. Um, but I, I think because I went to see Four Weddings and a Funeral at the time, and because, cheesy though it is, it is a pretty good film, um, I, I don't mind this. I mean, it had to be track one, disc one. There would have been something wrong in the world if it didn't have that position on this album. And bear in mind, it could have been a lot worse because when the band were asked to choose a song, uh, I think Richard Curtis or, or one of the producers of the film had lined up a few choices and the ones they rejected were Can't Smile Without You uh, by Barry Manilow and even worse, I Will Survive. So I think we should thank the Lord for small mercies in regards to this song, really. Well, I chuffing hate it and not because it's a bad song because it isn't actually a bad song like you say uh, it's well crafted it's well produced and it's even well sung i'll give it that i hate it entirely because of what it represents uh, and what four weddings was all about because it's just that horrible smug you know oh it's christmas day so the snow will come down and hugh grant and oh just everything about this just puts me in a kind of saccharine horrible sack of something awful (laughs) (laughs) so as soon as as soon as that first guitar chord comes on uh, and and, you know on the video marty gurning into the camera the entire way through it just makes me want to throw things i think people who like this and and really get into this kind of thing and think it's a beautiful song about love uh, and are washed away by it shouldn't should basically have their music accounts suspended and never be allowed to listen to anything ever again well being married to a wets fan i know she doesn't like it either and gets fed up when they always end the gigs with it so i think uh, you know and she's not alone there a lot of the fans would would gladly see the back of it i think and let's not forget what did reg presley spend all the royalties on bloody crop circles for goodness sake so uh, so the cash he got off the back of this didn't even go to a good cause silly man <sighs> 
Trek 2 is <laughs> not not really much better, is it? It's, <laughs> it's all for one. It's worse. I swear by all for one. Uh, what I'd really like to do is is find someone who loved this at the time because uh, we know the market for this kind of bobbins was hormonal teenage girls. So they'll be right like 40ish now, yeah. Let's find one of them, play it back to them. Now they're over that kind of period. And let's just see how they feel about it now. I'm expecting embarrassment and contrition because this was on the radio just incessantly and it's all their fault. Yeah, I mean, we we already had one boys to men. We didn't need another, would be my argument. Um, but something to thank the wets for, uh, that song kept this at number two for an astonishing seven consecutive weeks, um, which is depressing in itself, really, that people bought it in enough copies to keep it there for seven weeks. I, I think that might still be a record, but given that I neither know nor care anything about uh, modern charts, it possibly isn't. But it certainly was a long-standing record, that seven consecutive weeks at number two. Yes, for what is, at the end of the day, just insipid and never gets going uh, and is just, oh, again, it's just so obviously trying to pull at some very, very easily pullable heartstrings. I just don't like it at all. I need to play something. I think we need to play something yeah. just to get the memory of those first two tracks, massive though they were, and, and justifiably on a Now album they were always going to be, but we need to play something that is much much better. So let's do that. Track three is Don't Turn Around from Ace of Bass. on disc one of now 28 that was ace of bass and don't turn around rescuing us from the uh, mediocrity that begins this album and um, it's not my favorite ace of bass track but uh, it does kick the album into gear doesn't it oh yeah and i think this prepare for one of those things where i say something and you go are you sure uh, one of the best cover versions of any song of all time this and i will tell you why this is a breakup song right it's sad and the original is done in a major key and sounds happy all the way through yes uh, and so for ace of bass or producers or whoever it was to go do you know what's fundamentally wrong and change it into a minor key all of a sudden you have a really downbeat sad sinister almost sound that actually matches the lyrics and i think wow kapow you've nailed it we've got the tune and the emotional content together this is the definitive version of this song it's the ultimate goal of any cover and i think it is brilliant for that i i agree that it's the definitive version of this song absolutely um i'm not sure it's one of the finest covers ever made if i'm honest but uh, it is certainly good. I mean, the, the original original was a Tina Turner B-side, wasn't it? But I, I think that was upbeat as well, wasn't it? Like the more famous Aswad version, I think. Yeah, and I don't know why anyone would write lyrics going about leaving and being sad and not turning around and just walking away and then go, in the tune. It just makes no sense. Well, also, they added that intro, didn't they? The I Will Survive... 
without you but that's kind of how she says it it's not 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 as as per my usual impressions quite there but that that gives you a rough guide which which irritatingly not on here but on loads of other compilations where they were lazy and couldn't be bothered they edited the start of that out presumably either because it was very very quiet or because they were just trying to jam so many tracks in that they didn't have time for it. So on a lot of compilations, I think one of the best dance album in the world ever does it. It just starts without you, and then the drum beats, which <laughs> makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Thankfully, as I said, it's intact in its proper form here. Excellent. It's time for some Ashley Abraham applause, isn't Yay! it? Yay! Because track four yeah. is Aswad. <laughs> Hooray! And... Uh, and their song Shine, which I completely love, and I have no idea why. Um, I don't generally go overboard about reggae. Uh, it, this one just makes me feel really happy, and it makes me feel really uplifted all the way through it. And I don't know what it is about it. As I say, I can't nail it, but they did. Love it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's okay. Uh, I, I think it was played an awful lot of the time on lots of different radio stations. It was one of those that crossed over national, local, commercial. Pretty much everybody was playing it because it had that appeal. Um, and I think I kind of got bored of it at the time. I was listening to a lot of radio back then. Um, it was also hammered to death on URN, probably a bit too much, particularly by someone whose uh, first name was Chaz. Um, but uh, no, it, it's okay. Um, in terms of the uh, AAA plus because we, we've got a triple a minus later on in terms of the triple a plus um it's only only a little one because a lot of compilations realize the comedy value in putting aswad directly after a song made famous by aswad but nonetheless at, at least at least mr abram did it for us yeah there is a misheard lyric in the rap in this that so? i want clearing up by either you or the listener Ooh. i'm sure at some point he says, you bank simply the best. Yeah, I don't remember um, that bit, so the listener will have to help out with that one. Yeah, all right then. Um, but but I, I'm sure it's not, but it sounds a lot like <laughs> you bank simply the best, which, which of course, he would he would have gone simply the best. I, I, I don't believe the song was about pugilism. I could be incorrect. Um, there you go. There's two impressions for the price yes, of one right. in the course Excellent of one lesson. song. There we go. Yes, let's move swiftly on to track five, which is um, something Ugh. that goes against my better judgment. Um, it's the BC-52s and brackets meet, brackets off, the Flintstones, brackets original LP version, brackets off. So a little bit of <laughs> ire on the double brackets there. Um, but yeah, uh, given that the live action remake of the Flintstones was in existence and therefore required a theme tune, I think the BC-52s, which is basically the B-52s and the cast, uh, I think they did a pretty good job with it. It's faithful, it rocks out a little bit, and off the top of my head, I can't think of another band who would have done this any better. I hate it. So I hate it with about the same passion you hate uh, Love Is All Around by The Wets. It, there's something about it that massively irritates me. Uh, I do find the B-52s quite irritating on a regular basis. This got to number three, which means their two biggest hits are probably their two worst songs, This and Love Shack. I cannot stand either of them. This one, at least, you don't hear as often, I suppose. Um... But uh, I do wonder if they just called them up because the lead singer was called Fred and they thought, Fred Flintstone, Fred Schneider, brilliant, let's do that, um, which is exceptionally lazy if that's the case. Also, point of order, cavemen weren't around in 52 BC. Uh, they, 
I think we were quite civilised by that stage. So technically, they should probably have changed their name to the BC 52000s, although that would have been a bit unwieldy, I guess. Yes, I think you. I think your your eye. Am I overthinking it? Has, uh, has made you overthink a little bit. Yes. Um, <laughs> Halle Berry's in the video. If that helps. That's nice. Uh, track six, we'll play a bit for you now. Is uh, a bit boy bandery, let loose and crazy for you. It's Oblong Desk, we're reviewing Now 28 and we're up to track 6, you just heard a segment of that, that was Let Loose and Crazy For You had reached number 14 at the time of compilation, it did go on to be a number 2 hit, another one that was kept off the top by Love Is All Around but considerably better than All For One, it has to be said. Oh I think it's a really well crafted pop song this uh, and the bridge that goes into the last chorus uh, where he kind of does a double bridge thing. I think it's really one of the finest things that was happening in, in pop at that moment. Um, I even don't mind the drummer constantly twirling his sticks like a twat all the way through the video. <laughs> does he? Which norm- <laughs> okay. normally that would be punchable. Uh, but no, because it's, it is just such a good pop song. And, it, and if all boy band songs were like this, I would consider being a teenage girl. Not now, though, because I don't understand Instagram. Or TikTok, but, no. Um, or, or TikTok, yeah. No. Um, but yeah, it, it, is, it is that good as, as an example of boy band pop. I, I really like it too, and I, I did at the time. I also played uh, 17 on uh, URN a fair bit, which was the one that came both before and after it, confusingly, because it was released just missed out in the top 40 the first time and then they reissued it after this so i remember playing that a fair bit also a good pop song um this is very good the one thing i will criticize it for every copy i've ever heard of this and at first i thought it was just something weird that had happened on the cd that they'd put a weird version of it on um the vocals sound really echoey so when they produced this they didn't quite get the uh, mix right um it's almost like uh, you know how we sound in lockdown now if we were going to sing a song it wouldn't sound quite right doing it on zoom or skype it's that kind of sound to it if you listen it's it's quite obvious once you've heard it the first time but it doesn't detract from the song it's still good right dreamer track seven you're the best thing do you know i think this must be one of the most compilation album-y songs because it seems to be on everything in some form or yeah we we did it three nows ago didn't we it was on now 25 the original we did yeah yeah uh, and and it keeps coming back because it's a bit of a dance song and then hits wanted to have a go at it and then here it is again so we've covered it uh, well we haven't Dream, covered this stop. mix though have we it's the perfecto no, mix. this is a no. it, it is fairly different it, it was different enough that um, because I love the original so much, I used to get terribly offended by this remix. But, you know, I've, I've come to enjoy both now. So everything is right in the world. Good. Track 8's The Beautiful South. They're back with Everybody's Talking. Uh, it, it's nice and it's on a par with the original. Yeah. 
Not bad at all. It, it it doesn't have the bits at the end where Harry Nielsen goes or whatever it is. He does. Well, I'm full of impressions today, aren't I? Um, yeah, <laughs> th- those awful noises that he does at the end of his version are are not particularly attractive, and uh, thankfully uh, Jackie Abbott doesn't attempt those. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good cover. You know, you you can see why it was on radio all the time when it was out. Um, it was the year of Harry Nielsen covers, actually, wasn't it? Because that was the year that uh, Mariah Carey got to number one with her. Abysmal version of Without You. It's probably just as well that no one went through his back catalogue and picked out Coconut. That might have been a bit problematic if you know how that one sounds. Uh, it's not one that I'm aware of because I'm, I'm not the biggest Harry Nielsen fan. So going through his back catalogue has not been something <laughs> have that's a been high on my list. Have a listen and you'll know why it's not very 2020 friendly, let's say. Time for another track. And um, it's about 80% of Shakespeare's sister. Here is a quite awesome song. Marcella Detroit, I Believe. On Now 28, that was Marcella Detroit and, I believe, a popular song title in the 90s. Off the top of my head, Happy Clappers had a dance hit with it. There was the Robston Jerome cover of the old uh, Frankie Lane song, was it? Uh, the one they did the cover Probably. of? Probably, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Young-tastic, whatever it was. And uh, and there was also uh, a song called, I believe, by Booth and the Bad Angel, as I recall. So it was one of those that she was setting the trend here with that song title. However, it's head and shoulders above all of those. This is a fantastic song that I remember sticking around on the radio for a couple of years. I remember when I started in commercial radio about a year down the line. It was still a regular on the playlist, but then it just kind of disappeared, and I think everyone's forgotten it which is a real shame so uh, we're here to remind you how good it is yeah it's ridiculous if you can name me a better kind of power ballad than this i'd like to hear it certainly in the 90s it's just immaculate this it builds constantly but it never overpowers it's got beautiful lyrics beautiful melody and you don't need me or Noakes or anyone else to tell you how amazing marcella detroit's voice is it is gorgeous and a theme on Now 28, another sexy as hell bridge that yes. I can listen to on a loop. It's fantastic. In summary, I do like this quite a lot. It's rather good. Yeah, and uh, we, we're both on the same page here. Uh, you're right about the bridge. Her voice absolutely soars during that bit, doesn't it? It's, it's pretty remarkable mm. stuff. It's even got a good outro. I often say people don't know how to do good outros, um, and this one's got one. So, uh, yeah, it, it's got everything. It's brilliant. Goodness knows how it stalled at number 11. Deserved to be top 10. I don't know what was going on at the time. People were probably buying some of the rubbish that uh, sits later on this disc, I expect. Well, they were buying multiple copies of Wet, Wet, Wet. And, we buy and, this and all oh, for one, yeah. Love is all around. Yeah, yeah. Idiots. <laughs> Track 10, you mentioned them at the top of the show, uh, the last appearance on a Now album, uh, and rather a good way to go out of 
of their two tracks uh, the pretenders i'll stand by you yeah i like this one in fact um the other pretenders track that uh, is on a now album way back is him to her and both of those i would say are my favorite pretenders tracks i I'd, I'd much prefer the ballads um I, i'm not so keen on the upbeat ones generally but i think those are the two outstanding ballads that they did of the two i probably prefer him to her um that might be because this one's been tainted slightly by being used on adverts um through cover versions by drippy female singers as is the uh, case for most classic tracks these days and of course there was that awful was it a children in need version by uh, girls aloud was it i think they they covered this not very mm. not very convincingly that certainly had an element of turn up and take the money or all those give it straight away to charity. <laughs> straight back to the kiddies yes um yes. this is uh, yeah the 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 definitive version not that there are many but like i say it, it turns up a fair bit on the telly and um yeah it's just it's it's another good ballad and it's good placement after marcella detroit you've got you've got another female vocalist doing uh, a lovely ballad and it kind of bookends what would have been if you had the cassette or the vinyl uh, the end of side one Mm, I, I do think it's rather good. I do wish for them that they put this before Marcella Detroit because anything that was following Marcella Detroit is is just not quite as good. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, I when I when I was listening back through to this, I was like, yeah, but it's not quite as good, is it? Which is a shame because it is rather good. It is, and um, we're going to play something a little bit unusual next. It uh, was not the norm in those days for Jeans adverts to feature completely unknown bands. Usually they'd drag out something from the Motown or Atlantic Soul archive. So let's have a listen to this one, which is track 11. Here in a hostile place, I hear your face start to call. And if you think that I've been losing my way That's because I'm stagnant blinded And if you think that I don't make too much sense That's because I'm broken minded Long desk with John and Noakes playing you Stiltskins Inside, which is track 11 on disc one of now 28. Uh, Stiltskin, or I can't believe it's not Pearl Jam. <laughs> Still, it did sell a lot of records, it sold a lot of jeans. Uh, so, who are we to argue? I, I, I think the fuss that was made around them and the hype that was made around this record possibly in hindsight is a little unjustified yeah agree with that although nowhere near on the scale of uh, a similar scenario track that we will cover further down the line babylon zoo i'll just leave that there um i would say that at least this is a half decent song um actually i probably like it more now than i did then i was i'm always resistant to hype as you know so um i was a little bit kind of hands-off with this at the time i thought oh it's a bit kind of you know oh a bit of a sellout for a new band 
band to do that. But do you know what? It's all right. I mean, it was number one for a week, which is probably about all it deserved. It certainly didn't didn't deserve to be number one for weeks on end. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with it. They they weren't one hit wonders though. Uh, they did have a follow up, which was called Footsteps. Uh, that got to number thirty four though. So uh, people had obviously realised the game was up by then. They're definitely a division two kind of band if you think of sort of that grunge scene you've got your nirvana pearl jam that kind of division one stuff this is definitely not in that league no it's in terms of either the craft the crafting of the song or the musicianship no it's it's down in the second division with the likes of stone temple pilots and uh, those kind of people the hangers on Let us know the songs you like, but you don't know why you like them. Along with any more celebrity impressions you'd like us to attempt, we have no shame and an equal lack of skill where that's concerned. At the Oblong Desk on Facebook or Twitter for that. On the way, Noakes gets technical. Why did they even do that? There's absolutely no need to do it, because all they're doing is... It's just it's, it's an intro that they just have thought, oh, this is a bit boring, let's phase it between the speakers. There, there's no thought behind it, it's just extremely bland. I reveal my killer chat-up line. Are you thinking about having an independent opinion about anything? Pipe down, love, and will your ass at the church aisle, my darling. And we keep the music coming. Now 28, disc 1, track 12. It's probably one you remember. It's Oblong Desk. John and I are reviewing Now 28. You just heard a snippet of track 12. It was, of course, Girls and Boys from Blur. A bit of a classic all-round of the time. Uh, it's significant, isn't it? Because this this kind of... You may disagree, but I think this, this kind of marks the beginning of Britpop um, for me. Yes, kind of. I would say maybe that was Park Life, but... Yeah, I can see. I can see what you mean. It it, it was definitely uh, the signs were there, weren't they? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it, it's brasher, laddier, and in your face than the stuff they've been doing previously. They'd had that kind of jangly indie sound, and this is definitely more out there. Yeah, um, and and it's been copied and parodied and loved and derided almost equal measure uh, over the over the following years. Personally. I don't think this is a brilliant song. It annoys me. It's a little bit obvious. Uh, and at the time, I didn't like it either. I much prefer Park Life. I, I find this a little bit repetitive. Um, but I guess because it's sort of throwing a light on the sort of Ibiza scene, or, or no, it was Greece, wasn't it? They were going down to. Yes. Um, so Falaraki or something. Um, yeah. I, I find it a little bit, you know, if it's parodying that or sending it up or, or just even criticising it in a way, it hasn't done that. What it's done is it's become an anthem that was played there. So, so I don't believe that Damon was, in fact, going, this is all great. He was kind of, you know, holding a mirror up to that lifestyle. Um, but, but 
that attempt to do so, it's kind of like been swallowed by the entire scene itself and therefore it fails to serve its purpose. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I quite like the Pet Shop Boys remix of this. They didn't remix many uh, major artists, but the uh, Pet Shop Boys mix of this was pretty good. Oh, I say Pet Shop Boys, Chris Lowe, of course. I'd, I doubt if Neil had a, a great deal to do with it, although I think he did put a few backing vocals on there. But um, yeah, it's a hit back in March, this one, so it's one of the older tracks on this collection. And do you know what's a shame about this? Um, to the end had just been in the charts when this album was being compiled I'd have much preferred that on here than Girls and Boys because I'm with you I'm not overly keen yeah and I played to the end to death we all did yeah we all did particularly during my final few weeks at URN I can remember that being a standout track that was on virtually every one of my shows Uh, and as we used to do like sort of a week of shows to mark our final time at URN I played it on virtually every one of those, uh, little knowing that, you know, when I started my professional radio career, playing a song every day, every day, every day <laughs> would become something that I would do regularly. Yes. So uh, what a treat I was giving myself there. Uh, track 13 is a surprise because it's a pretty good song from M people. It's Renaissance. I think that there's a slightly dirtier production a decent vocal and a good groove and therefore I wouldn't instantly switch it off and you know how hard it is for me to not switch M people songs off uh, they have to work really hard to make me not hate them so hats off Heather and Shovel and whoever else uh, yeah, you've done a good job the others yeah um, and and again I agree we're agreeing an awful lot actually on this uh, album so far anyway um, I think it is one of their best songs yeah it's uh, it benefits from being lesser heard than the uh, two or three that we've already reviewed i've forgotten how many there are they seem to be turning up every album and and will do so for a while yet um but uh, this is uh, yeah it's a good one i think it's uh, it's got a nice groove to it you don't hear it very often so it's a bit of a surprise to hear it now and again i wouldn't want to you know stick it on uh, stick it on a cd on a regular basis but within context here perfectly fine <laughs> I'm about to start on that long, slow road to getting quite cross now. Okay, go uh, on. And I'm going, to do, I'm, going, I'm going to begin so with Eternal, Just a Step from Heaven, which is track 14 on Now 28. Uh, this is a, a long, slow, tedious, painful end to disc one, and we're only two-thirds of the way through it. This might be the worst run of songs we've reviewed so far in the entire history of Oblong Desk. Uh, and it's a bland, plinky-plonky R&B track, um, to start this run but but it gets so much worse than this from here on in uh, i think there was a worse run i remember when we did uh did we not and now 27 have that hideous run of ballads halfway through one of the discs or maybe it was a hideous run of dance songs or both um 94 the gift that keeps on giving i think we're uh, basically saying here uh, so sorry if you love the music of 94 um i'm not as anti this run of songs as you are but i agree with you on this one um the only good thing about this song is the bit at the start where they phase it between the left and right speakers because i like that kind of thing but then sitting and thinking about it now why did they even do that there's absolutely no need to do it because all they're doing is it's just it's it's an intro that they just have thought oh this is a bit boring let's phase it between the speakers there's no thought behind it it's just extremely bland Mm. track 15 is tony braxton's another sad love song which is dull ploddy 
R&B, but it does get worse as we go on. Uh, yeah, the Tony Braxton one I'm a bit confused by because I can't work out if it's the version that they played on the radio. Let me just get me a little booklet out and uh, read you the the uh, mix title. It says Remix Radio Edit. Now, that may be the case because I think there was a different version on the radio that, although, because it's Tony Braxton, wasn't particularly interesting, was marginally better than this. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, you are not going to be particularly happy with track 16 either. I will point out, before you give your earnest (laughs) opinion on it, that uh, the version of Searching by China Black, which is track 16, is definitely not the radio mix. It's the Michael S. Riley version, um, which I suspect might be the original, because... That song had come out two years earlier and not done anything. So when it was a hit in 94, it was actually a a re-release stroke remix. Yeah, I I think the weedy vocal, it's a really nasty voice. uh, uh, And it's accompanied by a cheap and plonky backing track, which makes it overall just a really grating pop ballad. But, you know, as we go on through the rest of the disc, it gets worse. I don't mind it controversially so there you go we are disagreeing slightly on this one i mean it's not a it's not a cast iron classic by any means but i kind of hated it at first and i grew to like it after a while i'm not quite sure why um but definitely the proper radio version this is a bit more sparse the mix on here it's not very good i've no idea which one you heard i suspect you heard the radio mix the remix but uh I don't think it matters from my ears. I just go, shut up. (laughs) It does my head in really, really, yeah. But as I say, uh, track 17, the nadir of reggae, Dawn Penn, You Don't Love Me, brackets, no, 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 brackets off. Yeah, well, um, the good lady wife um, really, really hates this. So uh, you're you're not alone. I'm with her. Yeah, I... I don't mind it again. Um, a bit like the uh, China Black song, which I forgot to mention, by the way, was on there as a pre-release, so actually at least knew how to pick a hit with that one because it got to number four. Um, Dawn Penn also was a big hit, top three. It came from the late 60s originally. This is a re-recorded version of it. And the one thing I will say about it, although I don't mind it, is there's a blatant cash-in on all the reggae songs that were around at the time. Yeah, it's a nasty, whiny vocal. It's um, oh, The thing that really annoys me is that stupid, repetitive bells, people, bells, the people, the bells. Oh, people, yeah, yeah, people, yeah, that is annoying. Sample. Yeah. And that just, that just irritates the chuff out of me. Uh, and, and it sounds, because it is so repetitive, it sounds like it lasts ten minutes rather than three. It's three, but, yeah. But, you know, unbelievably, though... It gets worse as we go on. But first, let's have a break from that and do some Now Where Else, because Dawn Penn, this is, unsurprisingly, as a re-sing, her only appearance on Now albums. Yeah, what I think... Else? I think Also it, here for the only time. Yeah, I, I think in an attempt to calm you down uh, a little bit, we, we'll do Now Where Else now. So this is the list of artists who only appeared on this as their main Now album appearance. There are quite a lot, uh, 15 in fact. So here goes, uh, in order of track listing this is, All For One, BC-52s, and that includes the B-52s by the way, uh, <laughs> obviously there was only one BC-52 song, Let Loose, Marcella Detroit, Stiltskin, Tony Braxton, Dawn Penn, Two Cowboys, Max, Sonic Surfers, DJ Miko, Clubhouse, Tony DeBart, CJ Lewis and Glowworm, 15 of them, of which four are one-hit wonders 
and uh, there's also or no i've included it in that there's a no hit wonder as well which we'll come to later excellent well that that just goes to show i think the um, the depths that ashley was plumbing or you could argue the new ground he was trying to break uh, may, maybe the quality will speak as to which one of those two things it was track 18 I think we've hit rock bottom. <laughs> it's it's Shakademus and Pliers, and I want to be your man. Brackets Taxi Gang Radio Remix. Brackets off. I presume it's just the radio. It editor. is just the radio. Um, hey, sexy ladies, do you want to marry either Shakademus and or Pliers? Because uh, you know they think you've got excellent curves and a booty and all that. Uh, so, uh, but 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 hang on a second. Are you thinking about having an independent opinion about anything? Pipe down, love. And will your ass up the church armor, darling? Yeah. It's, it's really rather sexist, horrible nonsense. Uh, and not particularly well sung. I think I don't mind it as a song, as a tune, as much as the previous things that we've been subjected to. But I, I'm, a, I'm done with this now. I'm a new man. I never really like this kind of, you know, shaky, shaky wiggly what sits around um, as a career path for women. But I think that being encouraged to in song is is really, really, it's of its time. It is. And I think uh, I can't really add much more except to say I think its worst crime is actually that it's incredibly boring. And um, even by Chakademus and Plyer standards, you'd struggle to remember this five minutes after listening to it. Um, probably not the case for track 19. I don't know, maybe it is. Uh, it's Erasure and Always. Now... This is a song that I was underwhelmed by at the time. Uh, it's aged quite well, I think. I probably like it more now than I did then. Um, I remember I bought the album it came from, I Say, I Say, I Say, on the day of release. I uh, got it back, listened to it, and then didn't listen to it again until last year when I thought I'd give it another go. So that's a 25-year period where I didn't touch it. That's how bad I thought that album was. And... Uh, on my re-listen, uh, I didn't change my opinion. Basically, the singles on it are fine. All the rest is terrible. And given that I'd been a huge fan of Erasure, that was a massive disappointment at the time. Yeah, li likewise, I don't think it's their finest work. But I tell you what, after the five piles of manure that we've had to sit through in the previous tracks, do you remember that bloke who used to sit outside the Broadmarsh Centre with his glockenspiel? Oh, yeah. And just, and yeah. just go... Ring, yeah, just and play a few notes. Yeah, you, yeah. You, could, you could have put him on track 19 and it would have been an improvement. <laughs> oh, I miss him. I wonder what happened to yeah. him. Well, I think I know what happened to him, so let's not, let's not go yeah. there. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think he got a house. No. Um, but yeah, he was happy to be there. Or at least he was. He was be. delighted with his yeah. little xylophone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You could have put, yeah, as I say, uh, I, I love Erasure. I'm like you on that one. But uh, this just, you know, it feels like Erasure making Erasure noises a little bit. And, and Vince Clark can make some very strange noises when he wants to. Uh, final track then. After, it does it does pick up at the end of this disc, mercifully. Uh, although not much. Uh, track 20 is Seal and Prayer for the Dying, which is basically Seal coming down with a bout of Dina Carolitis. Great voice, shame about the song. Yeah, I listened to this one not really remembering much about it. There aren't very many on this album that I couldn't remember. Um, and I gave it a listen. I gave it a fair go. thought I'd give it a couple of minutes, you know, see if it grabs me. And uh, it didn't really, I'm afraid. It's uh, not one of his 
best tunes. Not at all. Not at all. Let's pop that disc out, um, which, again, has its highlights. Some absolutely awesome stuff, but... Tails off badly, yes. A little bit too much dross on there to to regard it as a, a triumph for Mr. Abraham. I'll tell you what, though. Disc two, he starts off really rather well. Let's play a bit of track one. It's the grid and swamp thing. It's Oblong Desk. We are reviewing now 28. We've just kicked off disc two with the one you just heard, Swamp Thing from The Grid, track one. Uh, Not a number one song, except in the hit list top 30, because yes, I was back on URN in the summer of 94, and the one week I covered for Pierce Scannell on the hit list, uh, this was number one. Uh, And I didn't fix it either. It was being played to death at URN. It was by me and many other people as well. Uh, and you know why? Because no one's ever tried to put banjos in a dance song before, and this just nails it. I'm amazed no one else thought this is the way to go. It's just oh, what an insistent little melody that is there. It's the kind of thing that if the Dukes of Hazzard ever went to a rave, this would be played. Yes, I think you're probably right. Uh, Boss Hogg wouldn't approve, I dare say. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good song. I, I don't like it now as much as I did then, but it's a measure of how ubiquitous it was in uh, the clubs, I expect. I don't, didn't really frequent clubs at that point, but I know it was a big club tune. It was certainly on the radio a lot. I seem to remember even commercial radio were, were playing this. I could be could be wrong um and uh, so yeah track one on disc two perfectly fine it may seem a bit weird in hindsight but no it's a reflection of how much it was loved and uh, while i don't love it anymore i i certainly do still like it there's an interesting juxtaposition though for track two uh, of exactly how not to take some sort of country star music from the deep south uh, and turn it into some sort of dance it, two cowboys track two and everybody gonfy gone it's oh i mean even saying it makes you feel just how naff cheesy and lame this is going to be it, it just i think you know we've given ashley some uh, back-to-back applause obviously he was going to put these two together but this just highlights how awful it is by putting it next to the grid uh, and at least he's put two cowboys at track number two, which is um, at least uh, not worthy of some AAA plus. But you know, it's 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 a nice little thing to do. Um, to quote from the booklet, these are mad Italian DJs Maurizio Bracagni and Roberto Gallo Salsotto. Now, there's a picture of them in the booklet. Uh, which is quite unusual for a dance act. Usually for a dance act, they wouldn't have a picture. They'd just put a, a picture of the record cover uh, to represent it. Uh, but no, there's a picture of them in their recording studio, looking laid back on their swivel chairs and not in any way mad. Um, so that kind of undermines the uh, the written part of the booklet there. Um, the song's not particularly mad anyway. It's, it's, it's about as mad as one of those... Uh, 
car stickers, you know, or, or office stickers that says you don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. It's that kind of mad, i.e. not particularly amusing or clever. Track three on disc two is Max and Getaway. Some more more European stuff from the Germans this time. The German ragamuffins. God <laughs> bless them. Ragga this, ragga that in Ragam- a rubber dub style. He's called Ragaman as well, isn't he? Yeah, the Germans and the Italians are guilty of this quite a lot. Seeing what's going on over there in that cool and trendy Britain and thinking, we'll have a go at that, forgetting that Raga and that kind of thing and reggae is generally it's done by black people. And if you are going to do it as a white person, I would strongly suggest you don't try to pretend that you're a black person particularly in 2020. Uh, Yes, and the picture in the booklet makes it abundantly clear that uh, there are no black male artists on this record, just in case you were in any doubt. Um, I don't mind it. It may be because it was drummed into my brain on, yes, MTV Europe again, but this is the last time I've been mentioning it because, as I said, by this stage I was back in Nottingham. However, um, the European scene obviously was slightly ahead of us with the dance tracks, so just before I left home and went back to Nottingham, this was being hammered to death on MTV. So for that reason alone... Um, I liked it at the time and I still kind of like it in an amusing, um, not really ironic, but kind of uh, let's all laugh at the European style way, I suppose. Uh, Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, it's not a bad dance track. Um, It just it just, you know, contextually now doesn't really fit in with. Hmm. with how we do things anymore. Yeah. Um, And so. So, you know, I mean, they couldn't help that at the time. Not bad. Uh, The real to real. They're okay. Track four is uh, them with the Mad Stuntman and Guan Move. Uh, <laughs> Bibbidi bong bong. Bibbidi bop, bop, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ivan Novello must be spinning in his grave by this point. <laughs> um, it's it's more of the same from Real to Real. It, it's, it's no I like to move it, but it's very close to being I like to move it. You can see, you know, if it was on an Amazon recommendation list and you'd bought uh, I like to move it, it would say, you ought to try this as well because it's very similar. Yeah, and all the reel-to-reel songs are pretty much interchangeable, um, apart from the uh, mysterious time they decided to sing about Conway. No, me neither. Um, <laughs> but that, that never got on a Now album, so we don't need to worry about that. At least I don't think it did, unless it was on a Now dance. Anyway, uh, we'll find out. Uh, but yeah, this is okay. Uh, someone at URN loved it so much they stole the CD single of it, but uh, I wouldn't go that far, but it's, it's all right. It's quite entertaining. Was it you? Have you got the URN copy of Real to Real, or will it turn up unexpectedly on Bargain Hunt? Do I hear 50? I'll take 20. Somebody start me off at 10 pence. Submit your evidence to Oblong Desk at the Oblong Desk on social media. Before we finish, there's the best and worst of Now 28 as we pick our favourites and hand out the coveted Warnock Award, and we'll have a look at some songs that didn't quite get on here. Noakes will say this called Dance to Trance. Do you remember them? They always stuck loads of yeah, they always stuck loads of pan pipes on their dance songs, which ruined them as well. And I will say this. I wonder if by this stage Pete Waterman, you know, the smoke from all his steam trains had gone to his head. All after a slice of the prodigy. No one that's no good for me. 
that was The Prodigy and No Good Start the Dance, track 5 on disc 2 of Now 28, which we're reviewing on this edition of Oblong Desk. So, One Love was the previous single that wasn't included on a Now album of any flavour, but this was, and good, because it's better than One Love, which I always found slightly disappointing. This is much more back to their commercial stuff from a couple of years earlier that we've already talked you through, dear listener. It will come as no surprise to regular listeners to the desk that I think the Prodigy are flipping brilliant and they're on a different level to most other dance acts. Um, It's another great example of how to make a record that you just simply have to dance to. Uh, You can also stick it on and listen to it and, and, you know, nod your head to it quite, quite violently. It's just infectious and brilliant and, yeah, I love it. I think it's easy to forget how fast this song is. I mean, it's it's like a kind of early 90s rave song from their beginnings in disguise in many ways. It, it doesn't seem as fast as it is. If you actually sit down and listen to it properly, you listen to the beats in the background, the BPM, I don't know what it is, but it's pretty high. The percentage of things that they made that sounded not just great, but also distinctive from one another. Yes, true. I mean, there, there are one or two things that sound the same, but, you know, you think about... You know, the difference between this and Charlie and Firestarter, they went down a lot of different routes uh, and all very successfully. Yeah, and if we ever get to the 2000s, God help us, then um, then we'll cover some uh, later Prodigy tracks, which actually were also pretty good, but as you say, uh, different again from the stuff that uh, they were doing in this period. So on to track six, and disappointingly not a reworking of the theme tune to the 1970s children's TV show You and Me with Cosmo and Dibs and sometimes Christopher Lillycrap. Uh, it's Capella uh, and You and Me. Yeah, and it's a bit disappointing this, I think. It's their uh, fourth top ten hit in a row and of the lot, by far the least memorable, I would say. Yeah, I, I mean... I wrote down exactly that same word, disappointment. Uh, they've done some interesting stuff in the past. This is pretty much an off-the-shelf, box-ready Eurodance hit. It could have been made by one of about five different acts, I reckon. But all of which would have been produced by Gianfranco Bortolotti, probably. So on to track seven, then. And normally, uh, I have good things to say about Hadaway and um, Rock My Heart. It, it delivers another quality vocal. It's a pleasant tune. The bad thing I think about this track is the synth panpipes, which are definitely unnecessary. Yeah, I agree with that. There was an act who had a couple of hits, I think it was the year before, called Dance to Trance. Do you remember them? They always stuck loads I do. of Yeah, they always stuck loads of panpipes on their dance songs, which ruined them as well. Um and it's like he's been listening to that. Maybe he was using the same producer, I don't know. Um it, it doesn't quite spoil it for me. It's still a pretty good solid dance track, a bit like Capella. It's a fourth consecutive top ten single this, and also like Capella, the last uh, top ten single for Hadaway. Um, not a bad way to go out. He did have a couple more lesser hits later on, but this is the, the final one that you'd probably remember if you were uh, made to listen to it. And uh, I certainly don't mind being made to listen to it. It's fine by me. No, not bad at all. I'll tell you what, though, if we're talking about weird things to stick on dance tracks, then even weirder than synth panpipes has got to be Barks to Carter and Fugue, <laughs> or or at least or at least the Carlin sounder-like version of that that to unlimited stick on the start and then halfway through the real thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. If it was a Carlin track, what would it be called? Let's have a think about this. It would be called 
um i don't know brassica and peas bark to the future <laughs> bark to the future very good yeah um regardless of what what it may or may not be called uh it's it's not very good this uh two unlimited output in 94 wasn't great if you ask me um i actually quite liked the next one along which i can't remember if it was on a now album i think it may not have been but just in case it was and i suspect it'll turn up on now dance possibly then um i won't talk about it now but the last one they released in 94 was the best so naturally it was the one that didn't get in the top 10 of course i wonder if by this stage pete waterman was kind of like yeah, the smoke from all these steam trains had gone to his head and people were just suggesting things to him that were really bizarre and he was going yeah kid I'll do it I'll do it I bet you can I, go, I never have a hit you'll never have a hit with that Peter and he's like just you watch me <laughs> um, I, I doubt if he ever was even present for this one I suspect all right, well, we'll categorise it as two unlimited, making two unlimited noises in mm. a not particularly successful way and move yeah. on to track nine then, which is um, not a one I remember. Uh, don't give it up, brackets, don't you ever stop, Mix, uh, by Sonic Surfers. Yeah, and the reason why you don't remember it is because here's our non-hit. So at this stage, we were getting more or less regularly one non-hit per album. Not surprisingly, this is a pre-release track, so Ashley was taking a punt on it. Number 54 this got to. But having said that, it's not terrible. It's uh, mentioned in the booklet that they're using the same producer or the same team as Culture Beat, and it's got that kind of sound to it. Um, Considering how many songs like this scraped into the lower reaches of the top 40, they were a bit unlucky, but it's certainly nothing special. Yeah, and, and scraped onto disc two as well. I mean, I'm not saying that disc two is a bit, you know, samey. No, hang on. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, disc two is a bit samey. Uh, however, there always has to be on Oblong Desk one song in particular that, for whatever reason, ruins the entire album and we hand out the neil warnock award because wherever neil warnock goes he ruins everything so it seemed appropriate that we name the award for the track that just spoils now 28 and indeed all other now albums the neil warnock award and the one for this one is dj miko's what's up this will come as no shock to anybody (laughs) because obviously we've already awarded what's up a warnock on previous desk yeah, it's a first. It's a Warnock in two different versions. The problem with it, well, no, let's, let's not let's not beat around the bush. There's no one single problem with this. The first problem with this is it was way too soon. We've talked about this before. Cover versions coming out too quickly after the original. Four non blonde, still fresh in the mind, still being played to death on commercial radio. Along comes this. And uh, it's another European dance song that thinks it's kind of cleverer and funnier than it is. Um, it was a pre-release, so I actually got this one right, sadly for everybody. Uh, got to number six in the charts, this. This is unacceptable Italian dance, and it's not very often I say that. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but there is now a hideous advert on television where they do a cover version, not in this style, in the Four Non Blonde style, of What's Up by Boss. You know, the... Um, what are they? Perfume people, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and that should not have been done. Clearly, they don't listen to the show, which is a disgrace. Well, we'll send them a copy. We can tweet them one. I, in fact, I might do, just to, just to let them know how wrong they've got it. Yeah, do that. Um, yeah. I mean, this is so bad that... I mean, so bad 
that it almost makes you yearn for the original. I mean, obviously it doesn't, because as soon as you'd heard the original, you'd be going, God, I don't want to hear that at all. But all the wailing awfulness of the original is here, and now it's backed by this jarring bargain basement mess of synthesizers. It is just terrible. Yeah, I think the first time I heard it, I quite liked it for about five minutes for the novelty factor um, when it turned up in whoever it was who bought it that week at URN. But I very quickly got bored of it, and I certainly don't want to hear it ever again. Do you know who I blame ultimately for all of this? Uh, whether they were actually physically responsible, but I blame Kiss FM. Okay. I'm not even sure if they were in existence outside of London at this point, but there was this massive thing where, you know, they had a very specific playlist, uh, obviously, of dance music. Yeah. And if there was a popular hit, I mean, we've seen already like D-Ream could cross over and get played on mainstream radio, but it was also dancey enough and things had to be dancey enough. So when you've got something as popular as Four Non Blondes What's Up was, there did start to be this little trend. And we've seen it again with the likes of Sarah Washington mm. uh, on previous desks as well. And there's just this thing where they go, if we do a dance version, and I'm, I say, I'm not sure who leads us, whether it was the radio station suggesting it, whether it was artists thinking, well, if we want to be played on somewhere that's cool and trendy like Kiss, we need a dance version of this, and that'll get played. So maybe this is where this kind of danced-up ballad thing comes from. I'm not sure. But I don't like it, and I don't want it to continue. I, think I feel the, I'm fighting a losing battle. Yeah, yeah, there'll be more of this kind of thing to come. Um I think you're probably right. And actually, you talking about radio stations just um, set off a little light bulb in my head. Uh, do you remember Atlantic 252? Oh, absolutely, yes. Mystifyingly popular, given that the DJs all had made up, obviously made up names, and um, they played about 30 songs uh, in roughly the same order repeatedly. They hammered this to death, and I've got a horrible feeling they were quite possibly responsible for this because a lot of people listen to Atlantic 252 in the mistaken belief that it was somehow alternative and interesting uh, I mean however much commercial radio was bland I never got into Atlantic 252 and uh, they did break some songs and I suspect this might have been one so we might be able to blame them for this The Warnock is out of the way uh, we can move on to track 11 which is Clubhouse featuring Carl and Light My Fire. It's interesting because it's unintentionally amusing in, in that the verses are sung in that Vic Reeves club style. Yes, they are. I don't know why you would ever do that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a reasonable effort uh, and at least it's a slightly different sound to most of the rest of the disc. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, shockingly, you know, two Italian dance tracks on this um, on this album that I'm not overly fond of, shocker. Um, it's a different mix to the original. So let me let me do a brief history of this. The original version, and I think better version, spent 12 weeks in the top 75 without somehow managing to get higher than number 45. That was the version that uh, the uh, very embryonic boy zone danced around to on gay burns late late show 
that that was the track, mm. the original version. This is the remix, which is the Capella RAF Zone remix edit, which at least is amusing because Clubhouse is him again, Gianfranco Bortolotti, and so are Capella and RAF. So he's basically managed to name three of his acts in, in one song, if you include the <laughs> remix title, which is at least an achievement. Um, as I said, I'm not overly fond of this. It's not terrible. It's just not the best either i wonder if Gianfranco. i wonder what he collects you know <laughs> as opposed to steam trains because it must be something we'll have to find out yeah uh okay let's play a bit of track 12 because we've we've had to chat we've been forced to about many many dancey not particularly great songs so uh, let's play something that's a little bit better uh it's tony debart and the real thing if I It's Oblong Desk. John and I are reviewing Now 28. We're on disc two. We've got to track 12. It was The Real Thing by Tony DeBart. A nice pop dance tune and our third and final number one featured on this album, albeit only for one week. A bit like Stiltskin, had a brief run at the top. Um, and uh, this one hung around a bit more, though. It was in the top five for quite a long time. I remember it was Mark Goodyear who was um, promoting this one an awful lot. He gave this a push. And famously, of course, he was a plumber as his day job wasn't he at this point i think we have to play our little ashley abram arse up um oh yes we do so we'll just we'll we'll just pause for that because i'm sure dear listener you have just spotted that this is the second song on now 28 to be called the real thing uh, after two unlimiteds but but it's not next to this one so opportunity hmm. missed ashley bit mystified uh, particularly you know you can't even argue that it doesn't fit together in terms of its style because pretty much all of disc two is dance yeah uh, tell you what the best thing about this is it's the female vocal on this but she's uncredited yeah i don't know who it is um no. let me have a quick it's 1994 it's 94 mate it yes. doesn't matter yeah no i don't know to be honest uh but yeah overall um I think it's a really rather pleasant tune and not a bad effort at all. Yeah, agree. Not sure it deserved its number one billing, but yeah, top ten. Yeah, I, d- I, d- I do remember it being a bit of a surprise when it got to number one. It was um, it was one of those, I don't think anyone was expecting it. I, as I recall it, I think it had been at number three for a couple of weeks. So after that, you wouldn't really expect it to jump up. But it obviously just got a sales boost in that week. Uh, hopefully it wasn't uh, Mrs. DeBart uh, going around buying 10,000 copies in uh, Virgin Meg's store. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it was uh, all above board and probably uh, maybe it was Mark Goodyear giving it loads of plays that did that. Um, on to yes. track 13 which certainly got a lot of radio plays as well it's CJ Lewis with his reggae cover of Sweets for My Sweet which actually, you know, it's inoffensive enough it's pleasant enough, I, I don't mind this Yeah, but didn't we already have the reggae section on disc one? What's going on yeah. here? Why, why are we getting more reggae? Just because there's so much reggae about um, I'll tell you what the best thing about this is mate, it, it's the female vocal but 
she's uncredited. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that one either, so let's uh, skip on to some... No, well, big, 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 because it's 94 and yes, well, women no. don't matter. We're not allowed, no. Um, know your limits. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, skip on to track 14, which is more reggae from Birmingham's own Bitty McLean, the second reggae cover in a row, just what the world needed, a cover of the Mamas and Papas song dedicated to the one I love. Yes, uh, and let me just think for a moment about who I want to hear singing this. The Mamas and the Papas or Bitty McLean? Gorgeous, gentle, soulful Mama Cass or Bitty McLean with his roller cola reggae? Uh, it's a tough no, one, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the Mamas and the Papas. I, I, want, I want that version. So, yes, and I encourage you, if you are familiar with this, version by Bitty McLean to go and listen to the original uh, and then you'll never need to do this really rather pappy and it, I mean it just loses all the emotion yeah it is it is a terrible cover um out of the two CJ Lewis is way more entertaining um 15 track 15 is Salt and Pepper with On Vogue and What a Man which I have never been fond of I think you are a lot more keen on it than I am so I'll let you um, say why yeah I only have one issue with this uh, and that is if they're going to write a song about me I should have got some of the royalties (laughs) Uh, yes Um, what's not to like about this it's sexy it's clever lyrics it's classy harmonies from on Vogue it's proper booty shaking Um, I I I love salt and pepper. I love on Vogue. Put them together. They do a really good job on this. It's great. Um, yeah, I just think they're less than the sum of their parts on this somehow. There's, there's no particular reason why I dislike it. I've just never been a fan, I'm afraid. Speaking of which, uh, track 16 is Your Body's Calling by R. Kelly. So that's that. And uh, shall we hear some of uh, track 17? It's this one from the brand new heavies. is drawing ever nearer to a close with um, the brand new heavies there, Dream On Dreamer. Uh, I've always been partial to the brand new heavies. Uh, I like their glossy kind of soul music. I think, you know, unlike M People, which is also glossy, they somehow manage to to keep the soul and keep the warmth in the vocal. Uh, And I think this is another example of that. Yeah, agree with that. And uh, they're certainly a damn sight more funky than uh, M people are. It's a lot more authentic if you like your old school funk and soul. It's uh, of that kind of ilk. Um, they're very underrated, I think, the brand new heavies, possibly because they never had any massive hits. Uh, this one got to number 15, uh, even though it's a corking song. Uh, one of four top 30 singles they had that year. Uh, the singer is Ndeya Davenport, who was brilliant. I mean, they had a few singers. Uh, they got through three or four different singers, the brand new heavies, but I think Ndeya Davenport was the standout one. It's just a real shame their only top 10 song was You've Got a Friend, which is... A song that's been covered a million times. I'm not really that fond of it, and it's a bit of a bland cover that they did of that uh, a few years down the line. Stuff like this is is miles better. 
definitely, definitely. Uh, this is one of my favourite ones of theirs. Yes. Um, and I played it a lot. Uh, yes. On to track 18. And historians will look back <laughs> at this period and they will believe that rather than say, you know, Michael Jackson or Madonna, Prince. they will say that the foremost artist at this time in Britain, if they just look at now albums, was Juliet Roberts, because she's back again with Caught in the Middle, brackets, my heart beats like a drum, brackets off, brackets remix, brackets off. It's just yet again. I mean, this is, for her, better than average, but that word is average. Well, it's uh, it's done a few things since we last reviewed this on Now 25. It's the second one that we've done the first version and a remix of on uh, two different now albums across two different summers it's uh, weird really isn't it um it's picked up some brackets it's uh, as you said picked up a remix it does beef it up a bit i think this is a better version of it it's probably her best song uh bigger hit this time as well number 14 but as you say um she's been unnecessarily overrepresented on this era of now on to track 19, then we're going to play a bit of this. It's Carry Me Home by Glowworm. Just a sense in love that everybody goes through. And Lord, oh Lord, I did everything that you do. And Lord, oh Lord, God grant me hope. Don't be too loud. Almost there, track 19, the penultimate one on now 38 on disc 2 is Carry Me Home from Glowworm, which I think is a fantastic song. We did admittedly hammer this to death at UR and another one that got an awful lot of airplay. Um, The singer is Cedric Johnson, Cedric with an S. Um, which is unusual to say the least um, a, a real hearty strong singer so much so that the vocal production struggles here the one criticism I have of this is at times it sounds like he's singing it in a toilet and I think that's because his vocals are so strong and loud that uh, the the meters must have been peaking off the scale and they hadn't uh, they hadn't done what we DJs know how to do and uh, put their levels in the right place maybe that's the case uh, maybe they're in a bit of a rush I don't know um it's okay this i tell you what's a bit confusing is that we go dance a lot of dance a lot of dance reggae reggae then more dance again and i'm not quite sure why why ashley has done this it feels again like he's getting towards the end of disc two and he's had enough uh, and he's just lobbing on anything and hoping uh but yeah it's good is this i quite like it and and it still sounds playable and and not offensive to this day yeah i think is the mark of of something that's that's good yeah i I think that's true and it was a bigger hit than the previous three tracks so maybe he just wanted to save a couple of big hitters for the end of the album i mean certainly it doesn't peter out into blandness like uh, we had with now 27 and possibly one or two of the others uh far from it in fact if you criticized him before for just uh making us doze off at the end of disc two well there's no danger of that on this because track 20 and the final track on now 28 is absolutely fabulous by absolutely fabulous which is the pet shop boys of course now i suspect uh, your mileage may vary on this your enjoyment of this probably depends on how much you love the sitcom i couldn't get on with it 
at all for some reason so I was never that keen on this and also the samples are so lazily chopped out of the TV show that it sounds like it was done in about two minutes flat and just chucked all over the place on the song uh, not the kind of high production quality you'd expect of Neil and Chris to be honest no not at all I like you failed to see not how Ab Fan was funny because there were some good turns in it. I mean, June Whitfield, June oh, yeah, Sawala, June, they, they were both excellent. But there was something about that world. It didn't appeal to me. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I therefore, unsurprisingly, find a, uh, a novelty hit sampling hilarious catchphrases, as you say, in a pretty poor way. It's going to miss the mark with me, and it did. And for context, it was for comic relief, so it was for charity. A fine way to end the disc, then. We can't vault charity. No, we no. we won't talk um, about it, though, right. as is, as is uh, no, standard. No. I don't think ever before, having reached the end of an album, has there been a need for Look What You Could Have Worn quite like there is at this point in time there's been quite a lot of dross so uh we're gonna see what noakes has come up with as alternatives that ashley abraham could have put on now 28 what have you got for us well all i will say as a disclaimer to start with is um don't get too excited i like you having remembered the music of the time and thought wow that was great there's got to be loads of stuff that didn't get on in that's really good um went to the chart books with eagerness and then realized that actually he probably did pick most of the good ones that he had access to as usual i've ignored all the sony uh, warner's cbs artists and there were quite a few big hits by those in this period which meant that several had to go out the window um and also because i know what's coming up on now 29 there are as is tradition uh, a few tracks that made the end of year now that were hits a lot earlier in the year so they could have been considered for this one for whatever reason they were held back for now 29 so i'm excluding those so here you go here's your not particularly great selection only half a dozen this time let's see what you make of these first of all roxette sleeping in my car now we know roxette have been on now albums before love Roxette. uh i love sleeping in my car it's a very strong start it's a good um, pop song yeah. it is it is and um there's not a lot of actual quality pop on no you're right there so, isn't yeah. is there no yeah. there isn't at all so, so yeah mystery that's definitely a strong contender yeah. yes also not a lot of guitar well actually pretty much zero guitar based pop so on that note this one may uh, may be popular too the wonder stuff hot love now now that was only a number 19 hit but that doesn't really matter uh, i think it's one of their underrated ones the wonder stuff weren't uh, true now album regulars but uh, i think that might have been a nice inclusion get some guitars on this which it's badly in need of i think i'm gonna hold my hand up and say i've never heard of that one okay fair enough check it or out or at least if i have then i've forgotten it completely it's a bit more country folky it's one of those a bit like golden green style more than say uh you know size of a cow dizzy style i would say you're, you're tempting me with all this stuff yeah because yes. uh, generally i am quite a fan of the wonder stuff so yeah i can't consider it for the now but i'm not putting it in there without having listened to it well that's that's yeah. entirely understandable now i think and we've spoken about this before how pet shop boys at this stage were randomly appearing on some now albums but mysteriously not others when they had a decent song to hand so this would be an adequate replacement for ab fab i think although not for charity um 
Um, it's one of my favourite Pet Shop Boys songs. Liberation got to number 14, and I think it's an absolutely lovely song that deserved to be on here. Oh, I agree. It's a lovely song. Um, for the Pet Shop Boys, it's a ballad. They don't do ballads. No, not, not it often. Is, it's a Pet Shop Boys ballad. Um I'm umming and ahhing because yeah, mm. I like you. I like it. I just, I just wonder if it's, I wonder if it's distinctive enough, uh, or whether it is one of those things that's more for Pet Shop Boys fans. Possibly, I don't know. yeah, possibly. I mean, it, it wasn't their biggest hit by any means, but uh, you know, I think it would have been nice to mm. have, and it certainly got more musical merit than Ab Fab. They could have just given the money to charity. Um, right, uh, next one. You can tell I was struggling at this point, but in fairness, we said there's not much pop on here, and uh, there's only the one boy band let loose. So, how about Bad Boys Inc. and More to This World, a number eight hit? No. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> this would fit quite well with the dancey stuff and this, especially the silly dance stuff on disc two. Jocelyn Brown and Kim Mazal doing No More Tears Enough Is Enough. That got to number 13 <laughs> and is at least amusing. I know uh, a few people who would find that yeah, so do incredibly I. Yeah. positive uh, and, and would enjoy it lots. And do you know what? To be fair, if you look at you know some of the dance stuff that is on disc two, why not? At least it's yeah. a bit different rather than yet another kind of Max, Snap, that sort of, you know, Euro dance. Yeah. It is too same. Why not why not stick something on yeah. that's a little bit disco diva fun? Yeah, yes. kids, it's not I just reggae thought, artists who can do covers, yeah. Never thought I'd say this, because, you know, it, it is a <laughs> bit camp and silly. Uh, but yeah. No More Tears, possibly on there. Okay, last one for consideration, and this is very much me with my let's be objective head on, because let me make this clear, this is not one of my favourite bands by any means. They haven't made their debut yet, so they could have made their debut on this Now album. Uh, I'm talking about Oasis and Shaker Maker, which was their biggest hit to that point, had got to number 11. Yes. Now, I know what you're saying. This is a bit tricky for me, because Shaker Maker is one of my favourite Oasis tracks. Is it? Ah. Yes, well, it is. Particularly, yeah, particularly that early period Oasis. There was a couple of other things they did which I found a little bit derivative. And obviously this is incredibly derivative. For early Oasis, yeah, though, yeah, I agree. It, it's not it's not half bad. I'm, I'm not a huge Oasis fan. In particular, a lot of the early stuff I find totally overrated. This one's... It's all right. I mean... You know, it, it'd sit fairly well on here, and again, we don't have much in the way of guitars on here. Yes, so that's my six. Yeah, that's right. your six. Um, right. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to put my Ashley Abram head on here, and I'm going to say that with the benefit of hindsight, it is an utter mystery why you wouldn't be putting Oasis on there. Uh, so that would be my, it should be on here, but it isn't. From a personal point of view, my favourite song of these is Oasis' Shaker Maker. Oh, okay. So it's a double whammy from me. It's a double yeah. whammy, wow. That's well, I, I agree that of the six, when you look back in context, that's the one that, you know, we, we always pick one. I'm surprised it's not there. Yeah, agree with that, Oasis. However, um, as you can probably guess, not my favourite. Um, Rock Set's a close second. It's a good song, but I have to go for Pet Shop Boys Liberation because it's one of my favourites of theirs, and that's the one I would have liked to have seen on here somewhere in the ballad section on disc one. Fair enough, but none of those made it, and we therefore have 40 tracks 
to sift through and pick just one that is our favourite track of Now 28. This is one of the easiest decisions I've ever had to make on Oblong Desk. Yeah, me too. So I wonder if we've picked the same thing. I suspect we may have done. It's quite slim picking to this one. So uh, go on, you, you go. Well, I said it was like one of the best power ballads of all time. I think it's one of the best songs, certainly from my point of view, of all time. Uh, Marcella Detroit's I Believe is the track of Now 28. And I am in thorough agreement. There we go. That was easy, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't it just? Yes. So there we go. Now 28 done and dusted. As usual, if you have agreed, disagreed, I mean, we've made some fairly controversial statements and we would love to know if we are in tune with you, listener. So if you want to get in touch, then the way to do that is via Oblong Desks, Twitter or Facebook uh, both of which is at the Oblong Desk, or you can come to our website where you can download all the episodes, find out a bit more about the show and about us, and uh, also look at all the past winners of our various awards. And the address to do that is oblongdesk.podbean.com. Excellent stuff. Thanks, John. And uh, as you say, that does it for now. We'll be back with you soon. Until then, try very hard not to listen to DJ Miko, won't you? Bye. Long Desk was written, produced and presented by Noakes and John Tyndall with additional music by John. If you've got this far, tell a friend to head to oblongdesk.podbean.com for all things Oblong Desk. Oblong Desk.